You're listening to Red Nation Online. We are one big happy speaks. Ah, Kirk, my old friend. Do you know the Klingon proverb that tells us revenge is a dish that is best served cold? It is very cold. Wednesday, December 6th, it's EMB Sports and Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen. I'm Ian Clark, and it's our 2017 MLS Cup preview. As a repeat all around, with Toronto FC once again hosting the Seattle Sounders at BMO Field this Saturday. We take a quick look back at the conference finals against Columbus, and in that round, as well as the final, we look at Toronto's key players of Michael Bradley, Sebastian Jovenko, Victor Vasquez, and goal-scoring hero Josie Altidore. To compare and contrast them to Seattle, weigh in on who will be the favorites and who will be lifting the cup this Saturday night. It's all that and more on the next 40 minutes on East Side Stand Up. I mean, when you and I do these, uh, I guess usually it's a way pod, sometimes the home one, but we, you know, we tie in the weather some way, somehow. Sure. December. Yes. An yes. outdoor podcast. Yes. yes. What else can you ask for? Yes. Is this a good omen, maybe? I don't know. I heard the weather's supposed to be good for the final, or relatively good, so it will continue. But, yeah. Um, it was pretty brutal last year, if memory serves. Yeah. Yeah. That was a, that was a frigid did you, affair. Did you? We were both at the game on Wednesday. Did you overdress or underdress? Overdressed. Or, oh, did you? And okay. it still wasn't like, you know what I mean? I, th- I find that as it, when you're in BMO, unless you're probably in the south end and you're bouncing around, if you're just kind of sitting or standing, yeah. no matter how warm you dress, at some point you're going to start feeling it. Yeah, I was I was in a very crowded section, so I did overdress because I, you know, I have that big parka, parka jacket that you know, someone climbed Mount Everest with. So it was a little excessive because the amount of body heat, I guess, in the section and all this kind of stuff. But it was funny because, you know, I guess the weather at this time of year is always a talking point in Toronto. So I was actually with a guy from Dallas. And so we were overly worried about the weather and then the weather wasn't really a concern. (laughs) It wasn't that bad. I think we've been lucky in terms of of what we've had. And for the listener, this is obviously going to be coming out midweek. This is, I guess you would officially call it our MLS Cup preview episode and because Toronto FC is in the final we made it there this this podcast is happening obviously as you listen to it and Aaron I thought just to just to go straight into this is uh the listener may have heard uh Steve and I our post-match discussion and I always find with with days out of of actually being at the game it's it is it does become a different podcast uh and different opinion and you kind of have a chance to think back and look at a few things like you don't what what was your maybe impression or what what was your takeaway from that game in Toronto heading into the final well the irony for me is when I was watching the game and when I left the stadium at the end of the game and this could be changed (laughs) is is that I thought Toronto was pretty much in control I knew certainly the missed penalty would have put the game more in control and then we had the score, which, which certainly, you know, zero zero, we would have gone, we would have um, gone to penalties. And then Columbus had one chance, one very good chance, right? Where again, they would have gone through if they had scored. But I, I thought, you know, this has been sort of my opinion of Toronto most of the season, especially, you know, in the last after Josie scored, is how much Toronto sort of dominated the game and were in control of the game and and limited the chances of their opponent. 
and arguably I felt Toronto did have a few chances towards the end of the game. But if it was, if Toronto did need to score again, I think they would have been team more willing to score and more able to score. So yeah, my view is is that I, I thought it was a more controlled game, right? Like soccer is is a difficult sport because everything relies just on that goal. So no team is 100% per, perfect or anything like that. But I thought Toronto was as in much control as, as they could be and it, and it showed off in the end. Yeah, and I think if I maybe wanted to circle back on a few key plays or takeaways from that game, or players that I think are, that are worth mentioning. Mm. Obviously, Michael Bradley is one. Yeah. Um, in that mo- in that moment in the first half where he pretty much saved the Justin Miram, which is a decent chance that might have been a goal. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, that, the yeah. second one is of course the the ten minutes of Josie mm-hmm. in the second half that was uh, you know led to the goal, and a lot of people kind of said, you know, this is a moment that might go down in TFC history. That kind of goal under in under those circumstances. And then the third was, of course, is Columbus missing that that chance right yeah. across the face of goal. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of wanted to add into that because I wanted to talk about Bradley. I wanted to talk about to, about about Josie for a bit mm-hmm. um, and those guys. But I did want to mention, you know, I always feel like you know we didn't hear a lot about Jovinko in this game. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I find that sometimes the best players are the ones who get criticized the most. But I, you know, upon review, and I'm sure as other people saw this, the Josie goal, I think a lot. You at first look, you were like, "Oh, that was Vasquez and Josie hooking up." Mm-hmm. But when you watch the play again, Jovinko <laughs> brought down a long ball with two defenders on him. Yeah, yeah. Controlled it. Had I think it was two or three other guys start to swarm him. Mm. And found room for the back heel on yeah. Josie, who yeah. laid it on to Vasquez. And I just wanted to say, you know, to put that there ahead of this final game, because I think they're, you know, we heard at the start of the year when um, Josh Cloak was on, and he kind of alluded to, you know, Jovinko struggles in the cold weather, yeah. and he didn't have a great playoff run last year. I think, uh, and, and you mentioned, you know, some people being critical in the stands. I mentioned the podcast of players for, you know, not giving enough or whatever. I kind of feel like, the expectations are very high, I think, on a lot yeah, of these players, yeah. and they're not realistic. And I think that that moment for Jovinko is is a positive one, and I think, in a way, dispels. You know, as we saw at the end of that game, when space started to open, Jovinko started to started to yeah, show himself yeah, like yeah. we know him. Yeah, well, that would have been my point. Like, I actually went to the game with someone not from Toronto who was aware of the Jovinko image. And he actually commented in the first half that he was um, not very impressed by Jovinko's touch. Because I think on a couple of plays, he let the ball go or he didn't really get breakaway speed on, on a pass that he received. But no, I thought certainly in the last 10 minutes of the game, now now the interesting thing with Javinko is he's always wanting to score. So that right at the end of the game, he was angry that he didn't get a through ball to do it. But I thought the other play to that was the play right before that, when you thought Javinko might take a chance at net and he ended up going into the corner with Vasquez. And they basically took, I think, four or five minutes off the clock because of their capability of holding up the ball and, and doing what they do. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, you know, I don't want to say that people who watch soccer are naive or they don't know what's going on, but soccer is always a team game, right? And I think that that's probably, in, in hindsight, why Toronto's improved this year is how well, you know, Vasquez is part of that, but how well Bradley, Eltador, and Javinko have played together. And so they, it hasn't depended on one guy to be the guy who's going to break through the whole team. And although you like to see that, I think Toronto's a better team um, now because we have n- multiple options, but we also have, as you mentioned, where they can play together. Yeah, and I can't think of too many. I think I'm sure there are examples, but I, I'm sure I could find more where if you the one player 
who does do that is usually not on a championship team. No. Is what no, I would say, no, right? Like, no. it's very rare that you see a guy score crazy amounts of goals, and that's the team that lifts the trophy at the well, end. Well, it's interesting because, because that's always one of the caveats in terms of when you're scouting, right? Because you'll look at the stats, and you'll say, oh, this guy has 160 shots, and this guy has all of this. Now, ironically, when Javinko came to the league, that was one of the reasons why I thought he would succeed in the league, right? Because... Um, you know, the defense is not the strongest in MLS and you do get a lot of freedom and you can get free kicks and a whole bunch of other stuff. So in some sense, you know, if I was building a team in MLS, I'd probably want that type of guy. But if you're going to be a championship, no, no, right? Like you can look, you even look back at the history of MLS, right? Like LA was in LA until they had Beckham and Keane. Um, you know, other teams were other teams um, until they had two, three guys who were able to work together yeah. and bring them that level. Yeah. No, no team has ever won. No MLS team's ever won a championship on the back of one single player. Right. And I, you know, I wanted to one other comment out of that game that I, I wanted to mention. You know, tying in Josie, tying in Jovinko, and of course, you know, as we see in in Toronto media and, and amongst the supporters and fans, you know, they they kind of really ratcheted up a notch. And of course, the talk. Was you know I I don't know if I, if anyone went that far, but they were talking like this was one of the greatest goals, whatever. You know, oh, Altidore's goal. Altidore's. Now Altidore. I, I know between us, I don't know what what you think, but I know we've talked about it. For me, I mean, one of the greatest goals probably in Toronto City history, probably is Joe Vinko's playoff clinching goal against the Red Bulls. Yeah, um, and and, this, and you know, there's an equal story behind that of him flying in that afternoon yeah. from Italy and coming on as a sub and scoring to you know what I mean that's a story in itself and I think that's a more significant that's just as significant in the history of this team <laughs> the other thing I wanted to touch on and maybe see what your thoughts were is you know when we're talking about Bradley and we're talking about Josie and you know what they were coming out with after the game in terms of the message they were saying about being in Toronto and whatnot and I kind of was thinking or wondering how much the last month or two months of them as National League players mm. has played into them performing like they have for Toronto and almost being like, def almost being sort of like, I don't say de facto is not the right word, but like, you know, they're in Canada now. Yeah. And, and our fans taking a shine to them to an, probably another level. Like, I feel like in the last month and a half, Toronto fans have begun to appreciate Michael Bradley more almost than his last three years here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, the, the funny point I have is, is, is that, you know, just as we might be critical of the fans in terms of their expectations, one could be critical of Eltador and Bradley, who they think they are, right? And, you know, certainly when Bradley came to the team, um, he was identified as this attacking midfielder and a guy who was going to, you know, score, or we even expected he would score goals and, and you know, be a part, you know, be the Vasquez that the Vasquez has become. And it hasn't been until Bradley realized that he's more he's more effective in that DM, you know, Pulling covering it, role, yeah. covering role and stuff like that. And so I think that is something that he had to learn. And maybe it's something that they haven't learned with the U.S. national team, right? Maybe their expectation of the U.S. national team is a lot different. They, their anticipation of what they're expected to be is a lot different. So I think part of that is familiarity and what they've become in Toronto. And, you know, the irony with, I think, both of us, is none of this really surprises us, right? So my expectation, like, you know, like the Altidore thing was funny because, um, you know, I think Larson got a message from TFC saying, you protect Altidore as much as possible, right? And so then Larson was going off on, you know, tangents on who Altidore is and, you know, how many um, holdups he has and how work effort he puts in and all this kind of stuff. So it was a complete... League MVP. Yeah, and well, that was word, you too, though. No, 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 but that's that's the point, right? Because because the 
the sales pitch that they're giving towards Altador last year was for the most part a lie because it was trying to say what you expect from Altador, a six foot two, 200 pound guy. You know, you expect a Lukaku or you expect a Kyle Lauren. And, yeah. and, and, you know, we said from day one, that's not who Altador is, right? And so again, I think partly time they've spent together that Altador and Dravinko understand each other better. And partly because of, I think also because of what we did accomplish last year, there was less pressure on this year. So it wasn't about how many goals do I need to score or how many assists do I need to get, which allowed them to be more, take different risks, right? Yeah. Not not just be completely attacking, but try to build up play and try to, to develop play and things like that. And, and again, I think that that's where, if I was going to evaluate how the teams improved this year, that would be the difference, yeah. right? The difference is, is they might not be ruthless, as ruthless in attack, but they are more controlled you know, they, they're beginning to look like a top team that you see in the league, right? That, that they play to their opponent, that they you know, know the game, factors of the game and what's going on in the game and play to that, and that they can turn it on at any moment. Right? Yeah, and I think if I, trying to, now I'm trying to segue or bridge into the cup final. Mm. Now, my my, my um, knowledge of Seattle for this season is pretty casual. I mean, yeah. like I know who the players are, yeah. and I kept an eye on their scores and saw how. I mean, their their end of end of season run is, was pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you know, if if you have any thoughts in terms of you know seeing what you saw in the playoffs, as well as maybe tying in Vanny's recent comments where he said, you know, kind of people he was sort of alluding to, are they ready for the intensity? And I and I think he maybe was TFC or Seattle. Seattle, oh, they okay. ready for okay. this? And his I think his point being was that our path here was much more arduous than yours. The sure. Eastern Conference is more difficult yeah, than the yeah, West right now. This year, yeah. And so I think he's, you know, I think he was kind of saying, we've played at a higher, we've played at a more intense level and had more intense matches than you've had. Well, I think the interesting thing is, is I think a year ago, we had the same podcast going into the Seattle game. And at that point, I thought that the Toronto media and Toronto in general underestimated what Seattle was, right? Like we've always uh, phrased a funny story because he's probably not given the amount of respect he, he should be. And, and the irony is, is if you're a diehard TFC fan, you saw how many games he kept you in and stuff like that. So you should actually give him more admiration than, than you don't. Um, but, you know, guys like Torres and guys like Ladero, who just came into the team last year, guys like Morris and Dempsey, you know, Dempsey we probably are aware of. But for the most part, I think people were very lenient towards the team. Um, and I think that sort of played a role in the final game, right? Because, you know, despite Seattle not having a shot on that and not doing this, I don't think Toronto thought that Seattle could... Like hold them off? Yeah, or play a system that frustrates them that much, right? They thought it would be mono on mono and we got the better mono, so that was going to be the difference. And and last year, you know, somewhat blindly, we thought, oh, Dravinko will just run around, you know, as soon as we're in trouble, Dravinko will run around the guy and score a goal or... or, or um, you know, Altador or, you know, even last year, we probably thought Cooper would come on and do something amazing or, you know, or something like that. So I think it's interesting now because I think it could almost be the opposite because I, as you said, we don't watch Seattle that often, but I don't think Seattle watches that us, us that often. So I don't think Seattle knows, for lack of a better term, Bradley Javinko, Altador 2.0. And so I think, you know, if they're going to With Vasquez too in there, Yeah, right? with Vasquez too, but imply the same tactics... I don't think it will be as effective as it was last year. That being said, it's funny because, you know, there's been a lot of talk here about 
model franchises and where MLS is going in the future and stuff like that. And, you know, I don't think you can argue, you can argue the type of support, but you can't argue the support that Seattle gets. And Seattle's always been a 40,000 attended team in the 20,000 attended league, right? So that's always given them more room to add money to the team, to bring, to, to recruit players and stuff like that. And, you know, and the guy this year who's new is Victor Rodriguez, yeah. who's almost Vasquez-esque because he's, he's Spanish and he has the sort of same technical yeah. skills. Same ba- almost same, like, same um, background. Yeah. And then there's a, there's a defender now, a right back named Leardom who I was always big on in, in Holland and stuff like that. I think he was on the discovery list through me <laughs> if I was going to be candid. So the guys, they picked up. So they're a better team, right? And then Rolden, you know, a guy who was underestimated in the draft that any team could have picked up and, and Seattle took a shot on, has yeah. really developed into a player. He's Washington Husky, right? Do yeah. I remember that correctly? Yeah. 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 Okay. Now, on the other end, Seattle has had, which, which Toronto really hasn't had, is Seattle has had the adversity of injuries. Right, so Morris is missing it, so that's not there. But we don't know if Alonzo is going to play or not because Alonzo didn't play in the in the semis, but he might be healthy for the final, right? Right. So again, I think it's going to be a tougher task than Columbus or um, you know or the other New York, New York, or most of the games we played with. But again, I, I would put Toronto's favorite, and I think. You would assume, you know, with everything in life that there's learning experiences, right? And so I think the determination, the the event itself is not as in a big event. I think the crowd is going to be different, right? Like it's not going to be a celebration that we're hosting the final. It's like we want to win it now. Yeah. And so I think those added points will put, you know, I certainly have Toronto as, as favorite. And I think Toronto will win if yeah, I was I th- give a prediction. I th- yeah, that's one, one thing that I kind of was trying to figure out how I was going to communicate and navigate as, as a point uh, of discussion is that is the mentality of these two teams coming into this final one of them being a team obviously who lost mm. last year and one of them who's won no one that, of them who's had a tough run to yeah. get to the final and one of them who's had a relatively easy one yeah. how does that play into the final well game? and the thing is is to be the devil advocate here is is that there are bogey teams in, in soccer right and Seattle could have Toronto's number, and Seattle, and Toronto could be putting too much pressure on themselves, and Seattle takes advantage of that. Or you can have, like, again, you know, because of the nature of, of what it meant and because of Frey's save, but I don't really regard last year's final as a loss. Like, it's not like we were beaten soundly. Uh, no pun intended. Yeah, you did. That was, no, that was good. That was good, Aaron. <laughs> it's not like we were You beat, get a point for that. <laughs> we're not like we are beaten soundly by... Seattle, it was, you know, it was a been a draw, right? And so um, things happen, right? Like, I'm not guaranteeing a win in a sense, but yeah, I, I just think, I, I think that Toronto is ready for this game. And I think everybody's ready for this game and, and kind of thing. And, and I think that this was the goal to a point. I think it, losing this game would be harder to take because, because then it would be almost like, you know, and, and you've said this throughout the year that you thought 2017 would have been the year. And that this is what we're building up to. Yeah. And now that we're here, you know, now that it's time to prove ourselves. And so I think it'd be frustrating to go back through this next uh, March and say, okay, you know, we, we just need to improve a bit more and make it to the final again yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, but you do have, you have the Buffalo Bills and NFL, right? So yeah. you do New have, England Revolution in MLS yeah, okay. is, is a yeah. good example yeah. too, right? Yeah. Really great team. And they yeah. just never could quite pull it off. Yeah. Well, I think I want, I also wanted to mention you know, when you look at last year, I think one of my other points was, you know, what do you say about Toronto FC and Seattle actually getting back to this, the exact same teams 
the following year. I mean, you alluded to a bit, but I think I that's a... Say, I would say it was my 2017 preview. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, it's sort of like, what, without, without getting... without. Well, it is doing a bit of a segue out of the game, and it's more like a league-wide commentary. But it's, I think it is an interesting thing to see that as the, as things shook out, you know, the hype of other teams and other players, mm-hmm. all that goes, all that fades away, and the two teams left standing are really two of the best right now franchises in the league in terms of like how they're being run, the players they have on their team. Yeah. In quotes, I mean, when, I can't believe I'm saying this. Stability. Um, around around both of them in Toronto right now. Yeah. Uh, I think I think there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, and I think, you know, I think for myself especially at the start of this year, I I didn't want to play Seattle again. No, but, no. It, but it, it definitely is a, it is a story, right? And sure, Steve Steve sure. Steve made a good comment, being okay. like, last podcast was like, I want Seattle. Mm. I want to, you know, what I mean, I want that. He wants that game back, and he's, and mm. I think that makes sense. Like the team, they should want this. They should want to have a chance to prove, to put, make right what went wrong last year. Yeah, no, no, I think, yeah, you know, again, I think that's fair. I think that that sort of rivalry type stuff does come back to bite you sometimes. You yeah. know, if you're Liverpool and you're playing Man United, you don't, you want to play Man United, but you do, you want to lose for the twelfth time in a row, yeah. right? You know, there's a certain point where it's just like I just want to win it. I don't care who I play, kind of thing. Yeah, and I'd certainly say that if another team, my analysis of MLS this year was. So, so you know, to summarize it, I do say Bradley, Javinko, and Eltador are the best three players in the league, right? Now we can go into Ladero because I, I think a lot of people, especially guys I know who follow Seattle and people I know in the States would put Ladero ahead of those three, right? But I certainly have those three in the top of the league. And what this team almost reminds me of the old LA team, where you have three guys who are better than MLS. They shouldn't be in MLS in terms of their skill set and what they're capable of doing. I think they're in their prime which is certainly the case, and I think they're motivated, which we were talking about because of the U.S. thing, because of what happened last year and stuff like that. And honestly, you know, in any sport, I would put, you know, I would put my trust in in that over anything else because you're just better than everybody else and you should eventually be better than everything else. But in terms of a second-tier team in MLS, I would certainly put Seattle into that category. And I think the difference in some sense with Seattle is they play better as a complete unit. And you've seen this this year. So the the interesting thing was that series against Vancouver, right, where they kind of went into Vancouver's, you know, part of it was bad tactics by Vancouver, but they kind of went into Vancouver saying, we don't need to do anything in this game. We'll just hold them and we'll win it at home. And then they went home and then they won it easily. And Vancouver didn't have a, a shot, right? Like it wasn't even close, right? That scares me in terms of... That, that they can turn it on, that they could play a multiple systems, that they can adapt to whatever the opposing team is trying to do. But then again, we saw, you know, one of the games we did see this year was Toronto and Seattle. And I don't think anybody watching that game thought Toronto was going to win that game, right? Uh, no. And, 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 you know, certainly people in Seattle didn't think yeah. that was the case. So again, in that case, you know, it just showed our determination. It showed we're not afraid, yeah. right? And, and it showed not only that, but that, that sort of emotion of not being afraid trickled down to the other guys, right? Yeah. And, and, and that, you know, and, and to be fair, you know, like we haven't even mentioned another player outside of the top three or other Vasquez. You, you almost have to give credit to a player like Azario or Bertisher or something like that, almost the credit, like, don't fuck up, 
these are very difficult games. You can't screw up this. You got to be smart. You got to be aware of the whole game. You can't make a stupid tackle. You, you got to be short with your passes. You got to look for Dravinko or Altador when you're on the break. As I said, the cringiest moment in the uh, last game, the Columbus game, was Cooper. Because as soon as he comes on, he tries to take a shot from yeah, oh, 30 yeah. yards away. And we're like, what the hell? <laughs> you know, what point is that, right? Because yeah. you're trying to kill time at the end of the game. It's funny because we certainly have been on the podcast for a while. And we've been talking about the style and, and the ability of MLS. And part of that is, is that we'd always, and we saw it in the cup finals as well. There's always a mistake, right? Some guy would screw up. Some guy would you know, give a hospital pass or pass it back to the keeper and screw up. Yeah. And I don't think Toronto is the type of team, you know, knock on wood. Yeah. But I don't think Toronto's the type of team to do that because I think they're smart, yeah. right? Like, I think all the guys on the team, they're not good. Like, they're not star players or anything like that. But I think what the other seven, eight players on the pitch are doing is they're smart and they know how to play within the system and allow players like Altador and Vasquez and Javinko to shine yeah so, so and again i think that that's been an improvement over where we were last year yeah. right like i think i think the difference i think it's ironic in some sense but guys like sheru or those guys are not as high profile this year because we don't need we don't need more stars on this team what we need is we need our stars to succeed and we need to create a system that, that allows them to succeed so and, and what about is there any story or any thoughts that you have on Toronto's run of form heading into the final. And I think that's a bit of a story that some people are probably going to chew on in terms of, you know, I mean, we lost to New York at home yeah. in, in that yeah. one round. And, if, you know, to get two legs against Columbus, one goal. What that says, and even at the end of the, of the regular season, I mean, you know, I think if we think hard, uh, we haven't seen a great TFC performance since September, I think. No, no. Um, and what do you, so what do you think about that? Does, you, does that matter for you going into this final? Is that anything to think about or worry about? Well, again, I think the closer the game is, the better chance either team has to win. So, you know, you'd want to be a two up, you know, like the Man United game yesterday, you want to be two up in the first 10 minutes because it's much easier to win the game then. Because I think that was one of the conversations we were having at the beginning of the season. And then it would, then it happened, right? Like we were saying, this team is not, this team is not taking enough risks to prove to the, to the other teams in the league how good they are. And, and I don't think that's necessarily Vanny's style or the MLS style. Like I do think, in general, in MLS, there is a tentativeness to play. And so the idea is, is, is that, and, and again, when you get into these, you know, like to me, playoffs in soccer is ridiculous, right? Because, um, you know, the irony is, is, is that you, you want to leave with a tie because then you're not responsible for the loss, right? And so and there's a sort of sense of that, right? There's a sense of, I would rather not screw up then I then I rather you know yeah. make a difference, make a change, make a thing like that. I did find that the game at home against New York was an ugly game, and, and probably the the most ugly game yeah. I've seen from Toronto. Recently. And that result comes with an asterisk. Yeah, beside but, it, but I was going right? to say that there the, were the goals that we of scored. the game and the contention of the game and and all the stupid stuff that they they got their their heads right, their heads got lost a bit in that game and stuff like that. I thought the Columbus series was well managed, right? Like that's what you're expected, right? Like, like the irony is, is, is you know we had talked about this prior to going into it, but we would have accepted a two-one loss in Columbus, and then we have to win one nothing at home, right? Yeah. So the fact that they said, okay, we can hold Columbus, and then again, I didn't really, you know, there was the play, and there's always going to be plays and games, but I didn't think Columbus, like we allowed Columbus to 
put us on our back or, or to attack us or anything, right? Yeah. Like, I thought we were very well in control in that game. And I also thought that Columbia, you know, example, putting Santos as a left back who's more into our attacking player, I think Columbus played that system as well, right? Yeah. And I think the where I think the Seattle game might be more open is Seattle might go into the game thinking, oh, we can play Toronto one-on-one. And so it would just be, happen to be a more open game. You'll see that, you know, you see that in an EPL. You, you always want to see the big games because both teams go for it. Where if you see a big team play against a poor team, it's either a demolish or the poor team, you know, just holding on to the ball as much as possible. So the score isn't ugly in the end. Yeah, and I think, I think like, what I'm looking at, the, the series with Columbus, and I mentioned in the other pos- podcast, was I think you have to give Columbus heaps of credit. I mean... Two games, home and away, everything on the line. You can't compare that to a midsummer home game. You know what I mean? A midsummer sure, home sure. game where it's really, at the end of the day, inconsequential. And we saw a lot of teams come to BMO and say, "I'll just get this game over with, yeah, right?" Like, yeah. and we'll and we'll move on after it. But then, of course, in the playoffs, when everything is, you know, these are two games that mean everything. You're going to see a different game. And at the end of the day, I mean, I think if we look at Columbus's roster, I mean, yeah, they don't have any European superstars on their team. But from an MLS perspective, I think it's a pretty solid team front to back yeah. in terms of quality, yeah. you know, right be- between the sticks, yeah. um, moving all the way up to, to forward with Camera and Iguain up there. I mean, like, those are all, like, at probably you would say, uh, you know, top half MLS caliber players. Yeah. Um, and then Wait, Seattle. Which again, which again, this proves how good Bradley Eltador and Javinko are, right? Because arguably, you know, like, I, I, I think you can remove. And again, it's different because it's cultural, but, you know, I think in terms of capabilities and if they played within that system, you know, I would say MLS teams are better than champ or as good as championship teams in England now, right? Where two years ago we would have said, oh, we're elite one or, or we're good as Serie B teams or, you know, whatever reference point you want to say. So, yeah, and, I, and you see that. Like, like again, Columbus is, or is Columbus as good as a poor team in the area division, right? Yeah. So, so it just shows to me how dominant a player, like, like Javinko Altador and Bradley are improving. That's the irony, right? Because you would assume the, the, the argument has always been that if you go to the MLS, especially for the money, that that means you become a worse player because the league, you, you play to the level of the league and you, there's no real motivation and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But you ask, you know, I would say easily Bradley Altador and Javinko are better players now than they were when they first came to the team two years ago. Oh, yeah, and what's, I mean, this is just a sidebar. I mean, we knew we saw that article. We mentioned on the podcast, the Bradley Wright Phillips one, right? Saying oh, how coaching, coming, yeah. yeah. Yeah, coming to MLS, yeah. where it's just yeah. like you're not you're not dealing with coaches who are just trying to avoid the relegation yeah. and, and coaching and, and setting up accordingly. Yeah. He's like, I've learned more in the three years here than in my whole career in England, or four years he's been here, because yeah. he's actually been, actually been teaching him to play. Yeah. Uh, rather than just avoid being relegated yeah. and setting up accordingly, so I thought that was an interesting thing, and I pro- that probably supports you know y- your assertion that these players have had a chance to probably improve. Yeah, that that and the fact that the competition week on week out is more difficult, yeah. so so that you're you're actually being challenged, yeah. right? Where from when they came where, in, the league, where, right? Where the irony is 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 when say Frings was in the league. He was being unchallenged by his own team, but he was also being unchallenged by the opponent. And you saw that. You know, I remember um, Blanco playing with Chicago, mm-hmm. and he knew he was head, headspace was miles ahead of everybody, right? Yeah. So he would fool around with his own team and fool around with his opponents just because he thought that this was, you know, ridiculous compared to the competition that he's used to playing against. Yeah. So again, I just think that 
it's credit to the league, but the league is improving in that sense. Yeah, and I, I figured, well, you know, just one last outro. I mean, we talked a, a little bit about Seattle and some of their players and whatnot. And I think, you know, just to mention the, those key players for them, of course, is, you know, Lodero is the one that everyone's talking about. Um, Dempsey has had a good season. Is looking, and if I'm looking back to that last game against the yeah, home game yeah, against, like he was hurt most of the year, but he seems to be in his groove right now. Yeah, and Rodriguez' goal against against Houston was, some, I think, something you have to flag. Where not only is he have a deft touch, but I mean his off ball running. That that goal that he scored, if I would yeah. say, look at it, how he went from one side of the pitch, laid it off, and and he just he made the perfect run that Bruin. Had beautiful touch and set up. So I mean, like those are all the key players that were were in form for them against Houston last game. That I think we need to be mindful of. I think the interesting thing is, which will have less of a factor, which a lot of people think will have a factor, is Ladero's influence on the game. Because I think, you know, if you look especially statistically in terms of touches, Ladero leads the league. But I think that's because traditionally Seattle plays a very slow style of play. So it's almost like a triangle, and he's the center of the triangle, passing it around to whoever's open and stuff like that. And I don't think Toronto will give him that time. So, and again, that's why one of the reasons why I say, you know, outside of Rodriguez, that's one of the reasons why I say Toronto's favorite, because I don't, you know, I think if Seattle was forced individually forced to put the game on their back individually, I don't think they're as good as Toronto. Maybe you could argue Dempsey, but I don't think, I, I think Eltimer is better than Dempsey, for example. And, you know, Will Brune, and, you know, like, and again, not to be dismissive of these players, right? But I, again, I don't see them as guys who, um, you know, single-handedly win, single win the game. Yeah. And, and my, only, my only issue with Seattle, or with the game itself, is Toronto allowing an early goal. Right, because I think Seattle does have the intelligence, especially with the bench options like Svensson and, and guys like that, to hold the game and to make the game ugly like they did last year. Right? Yeah. So I don't think we're I don't think Toronto fans need to worry if the game's zero zero for a long time. But Toronto, I think, definitely needs to worry if we go down early, because I think that that would change the direction of the game. But I think if you know if Toronto's able to play Toronto's game, I think you. You might have a close game like the Columbus game, or you might have, you know, you might have a bigger victory. But I think, again, I think Toronto should be favored going into the game. I think that's a good way to finish it, Aaron. <laughs> I was looking, I was, I was seeing where you're going. I was looking for like, where, where will we go to wrap this up? And I think that, I mean, the obvious lesson was to get your, the final, not prediction, but like the final statement on the game. And I think that's, I think that's probably where we should leave it. And I, I always am sort of a bit of a fence sitter. You know, I, I raise my concerns, but I do think, if I, you know, putting my head my head into the headspace, it's like this is. I do think this is like yeah. this is the matchup you want, and yeah. Toronto should be mentally. Well, I, in think, the zone I think for the fear. I think the fear I have is that certainly in some ways I'm a fan of Toronto, and so you never want to have that hope with your home team because you never <laughs> know if your biases are going to be your 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 want. And yeah. so it's funny because I'm trying to take myself away from this as far as possible, and then come back to it and look at the two teams if I had no interest in the two teams. And again, you know, again, on paper, I think Toronto is favorite. And then, yeah, as I said, because we played last year, because, you know, our intentions are different, because I think the crowd atmosphere is going to be more to win than to be the atmosphere being in the final kind of thing. Right. I think all of those things should... Yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to be. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's going to be an interesting. You know, the, the the difference between last year. I think that's. I think you're right. Toronto knowing. You know, I think we went in last year being like 
almost maybe a little too confident. I think we thought we were far and away the better team. And I think mm. if we go in this game understanding, like, yeah, we, look, we should be confident that we can win, but we know what Seattle is now. And we know what Seattle could bring to the table in this game. So it's just... Yeah, which which in some ways is ironic because we weren't as good last year, right? Like, mm-hmm. this year we're Supporters Shield champion. This year we basically won the league from start to finish. Like, I don't think we were really ever challenged. And, and we have Vasquez, which makes us a better team. And arguably, you would say, as I've said m- many times, is Bradley, Javinko, and Eltador play better now than they did a year ago, yeah. right? Like, they understand their positions and they play... They're playing those positions amazingly. Like, I made a... I joke to my Dallas friend that basically Toronto's a five-a-side team. <laughs> but Bradley is, you know how you play five-a-side? Yeah. So Bono's in that. Bradley's covering the back and then the three yeah, strike yeah. force of Vasquez, Trevenko, uh, yeah. and Eltador. And, you know, so yeah, that's, NBA yeah. Jam or something like that, we would be <laughs> yeah. the best five. So. Yeah, that, yeah but, that makes sense. So, you know, I think, I think we've covered all kinds of different ground um, on these teams. And hopefully, I think the listener found the discussion useful in terms of talking about the, both these teams and are feeling pumped for the final yeah. on on Saturday afternoon. So, Aaron, we'll leave it at that. Everyone sure. knows they got you at ENB Sports. You've got lots of things cooking yeah. online and offline. So sure. I think people just know yeah. you know where to find you and, yeah. and see what's going on with all that. And everyone knows I'm at Clark RNO. Uh, info, have your say over nationaland.ca. So I think we'll leave it at that, guys. I think the next time you'll hear from us, obviously, is going to be uh, after the MLS Cup Finals and hopefully... It's a celebratory podcast. Did you guys, did you guys do a live one at the end of the game last year, or did you? Yeah, we did. It was okay. very depressing. <laughs> okay. And it, if you recall, I mean, it was like, a night game. Know, I didn't know you had to take like a day, you know, in between. No, we you did it right then. It, it was okay. me, Steve, and Andre, and we were um, yeah, I don't know, I pretty, remember. pretty bummed. Yeah. yeah. Oof. yeah. Anyways, let's not let's not harken <laughs> back to that one. And then think positive thoughts. Sure. Positive, positive thoughts, guys. Yes, yes. Um, thinking ahead so thanks a lot guys um, for listening to the post Columbus game thanks for this preview and we'll catch you next weekend after Columbus Cup Finals thanks a lot I want you to get involved reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca get in touch with us let us know how you thought the team did agree disagree it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online, From the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, and our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.